worshiping with you guys today. Thank you for, for joining us. Uh, our worship sounds great. We've got some, some great faces here. Uh, I can see half of most of them. And thank you to everybody worshiping with us online, singing and breaking bread in your homes. Hey, that sounds like description we hear of the early church in Acts 2, doesn't it? That we're gathering together in whatever way we are able to. I, I love you guys and I appreciate you being here. Uh, I'm going to get up here for the next few minutes and I'm going to talk about Proverbs. We've been in a series called Proverbs, the way of the wise. We've been encouraging you guys to be in the Proverbs on your own time, reading them. And uh, this is our last lesson in that series. Hopefully it's kind of turned you loose on some of this wisdom literature that we get from scripture. Uh, yeah. Lately in my house, it's been, it's, it's been different because this last week was the first week that I haven't had a mother-in-law of some kind, either mine or my wife's, uh, in the house helping us with the new baby. New baby was born about six weeks ago and we've had some tremendous help from our moms. But they both left town and now it's like, hey, sink or swim, you guys. Uh, five kids, you made that bed, now you get to lie in it. And it, I gotta say, it's gone really, really well. Lisa is an amazing woman. But as I think back on what it's like to have a mother-in-law in the house, helping out with chores and things, once they leave, you realize they rearrange your stuff a little bit. Uh, I went to go find the iron the other day and I couldn't find my iron. I was like, where's the iron? It's supposed to be right here. It wasn't there. Uh, I don't know. It, we eventually found it. Somebody put it back in the wrong place. No big deal, except I like to have my iron over here. Same thing with the kitchen whisk. I go to use the whisk to make some scrambled eggs or, or whatever. And it's always right here. Where's that whisk? Oh, somebody washed it, which I appreciate, and then put it away, which I appreciate, but they didn't put it back in the right spot which I don't appreciate. Oh, it's a little bit troubling. And don't even get me started on folding towels. If, if your mother-in-law folds your towels, it can be a problem. Uh, that's, that's how it goes. You might find your stuff in a place different than where you left it. And I, if, I'm, if I'm being mature about this, I can admit that some of the changes that your mother-in-law comes into your house and makes, they're actually good changes. They are changes for the better. They say, why don't you put your iron here instead of here? And I don't want to admit that like, yeah, that is a much better place for the iron to be because I like my iron to be where I put it. I like things to be a certain way and I'm not really interested in change. Well, as I'm thinking about that, the Proverbs that we've been hearing, that we've been studying together, they do the same thing. They will come into your house. They will come into your life and they will rearrange some things. They'll come into your personal space and they'll make some suggestions. It might rearrange some of your priorities. It might snap you out of autopilot mode that you've been in in certain areas of your life. You're like, well, wait, wait a minute. Well, why was, I, why was that there in the first place? Why is this not over here? And we have a choice. We can either say, yeah, this is a better place for this to be, or we can say, no, 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 no. I like things this way. Let's just stick with that because it's familiar, because it's easier. Proverbs do that. God's word in general does that. It's like the scripture that we heard earlier. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It opens us up and invites us to reflect. It gives us the opportunity to recalibrate our lives so that we're more aligned with the heart 
of God, the will of God, and his purposes for us in this world. Hopefully that's what's been happening in your life. Not in a frustrating way, but maybe in a way that might step on your toes a little bit. I was eating lunch with Greg and Justin and Rick a couple weeks ago. We were at a taqueria having some delicious tacos, and we got to talking about Proverbs because I asked you guys to spend some time in the Proverbs, and they had. So we got to talking about how that has impacted our lives. And the guys were saying, it's been good to read a chapter from Proverbs a day. I mean, the chapters maybe have like 30 Proverbs in them each, so you can read them in just a couple minutes. It's not that hard to do, so it's not too much. But in a way, it kind of is. We were saying around the table, sometimes you open up a chapter of Proverbs and that very first verse, that's all you need to read. You don't even want to move on to the next one because there's enough meat in each proverb to penetrate to down to the joints and the marrow, to divide, to like search your heart and make you reflect on your life. You could take just one proverb and just reflect on it all day long. And that's what the guys were saying today had been doing. And in our time together, we've only been, we've only allotted four weeks to study Proverbs. Maybe we should have given more time, but we've been kind of going for more of a a quantity over quality approach. Except on your own, you're invited to, to spend more time in the Proverbs. But this morning, as the last lesson, I wanted to do the deep dive that we've been talking about. I wanted to do what we just described. If you could just take one verse, just one verse at all, and let it search you, and let it challenge you, and then come out of it going, okay, what do you want me to do about this, Lord? I mentioned when we started this series, which was right at the beginning of the new year, that if you're making a New Year's resolution to read the Bible more this year, that's fantastic, but I want to encourage you, as you do that, don't just read more, but make a commitment to reading the Bible better. Read it more slowly, if necessary. Read it with more understanding about what's being said, like the questions we reflected on today. What, is, what does this tell us about God, and then what are we supposed to do with it? I've tried to do that in the sermon a little bit, give you some background about the Proverbs. The Bible Project videos that we've got to, to watch together are giving us some teaching and some understanding about what it is we're hearing, how it was used in ancient Israel. And even in the times that we're hearing these verses together, and not just moving on to the next song or the next verse, but we're, we're pausing and we're reflecting and we're letting God's Spirit ask us this question, what am I going to do about this? Is this going to require something new of me, something different of me? Because like I said, God's word will come into your life and it'll rearrange some stuff and how we react to those new suggestions or those new placements of priorities in our lives tells us about our relationship with God. So for the deep dive, when we were at the Taqueria that day, one of the Proverbs that was brought up was Proverbs 20 verse one. First proverb in Proverbs chapter 20. Wine is a mocker and fear a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. So that's what I want to do with our time together this morning. I want to invite you on a journey with me down the rabbit hole of my own reflection when it comes to this particular proverb. And again, this is something you can do with any proverb. I just happen to choose this one. And if you're wondering, why did you choose this one and not any of the other hundreds of Proverbs we have in the book of Proverbs? Well, to be honest, it's because it's the one we were talking about at lunch. We kind of already got the ball rolling with this one, and I didn't want to start over. Let's just go with this. We got some great ideas here. Um, This is not me trying to make any sweeping policy or point about 
alcohol use or any particular person's relationship with alcohol. Although if that comes through this morning, listen, the Spirit has something to tell you. My guess is at the end of this message, some people will think, man, he went too far with that. And some people might be thinking, man, he didn't go far enough with that. And I'm kind of okay with that. I think I'm prepared for those reactions every Sunday. We're going to God's word and we're saying, God, have your way in our lives. However you examine it, whatever you feel about this particular verse as a point of focus for this morning, there it is. And it calls out to us, wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. As I began reflecting on this proverb, I started thinking about my own experiences growing up with beer and wine. Not that I grew up with beer and wine, but go with me on this. I grew up in a church where most people had a teetotaling stance when it came to alcohol. Alcohol was not good. At best, it was unnecessary. Why would you spend your money on that? Why would you spend your time on that? It's best to just avoid it. I remember one time as a teenager, our youth group was doing this thing where people from the church would hire the teens, uh, pay them to do yard work and such so that we could raise money for a mission trip. One of my friends got hired by the preacher of the church and he went and mowed his lawn. And while he was there, the preacher said, hey, there's a Gatorade in the fridge. Why don't you go inside and help yourself to a cool drink? And he did. And he opened up the preacher's fridge. And you know what he saw? The preacher had beer in his fridge. Whoa. And it wasn't just any beer. It was these green bottles of German imported beer. And I remember after that day, he showed up on Sunday and he told us, the preacher's got German imported beer in his fridge. And we were like, wow, I can't believe it. Where did he even get something like that? That was my experience of uh, being exposed to alcohol or the attitudes about alcohol from my church. In my family, my extended family, there was actually a lot of alcoholism growing up. And I, at family events and reunions and things like that, I saw a lot of examples of abusing alcohol and drinking in an irresponsible way. Fast forward to Jacob becoming an adult himself. And I will tell you, on my 21st birthday, I had tacos, hey, tacos again, and root beer. I didn't have any alcohol, and I didn't feel like I was missing out on any grand tradition. So that kind of influenced me. The negative experiences with family, the attitudes of people in my church, just saying, ah, that's this something you don't really need to get involved with. It wasn't until I was in, like, the end of college, maybe, that I was exposed to a Christian family who drank alcohol with their meals and enjoyed alcohol responsibly. It wasn't until I got married and moved out of the house that I started having alcohol myself and trying to enjoy it responsibly. But don't worry, it wasn't that green bottled uh, German imported stuff. I try to stay away from that still if I can. Now, here I am and I live and I minister in Livermore, California, which somebody told me one time, I don't know if this is true, maybe I should check these facts before I say them publicly, but somebody said that the Livermore Valley is the fifth largest wine region in the state of California. Can that be true? There are over 60 wineries just within the city limits of Livermore, not to mention craft breweries. Um, and that's something. Maybe you think about like Napa and Solvang and Santa Barbara. Like Livermore is number five. That's really saying something. But this is where we are. Alcohol is kind of like a form of currency here. If I do something nice for my neighbor, it's not uncommon for them to say thank you with a can of craft beer or a nice bottle of wine. Proverbs says, wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. 
Anyone who is led astray by them is not wise. Okay? What does it mean for wine to be a mocker? What does it mean for a person to be a mocker? Let's think about that. That's kind of a descriptive word, right? A mocker is, is somebody that is far off and they, you know, they kind of cast insults on somebody, kind of like a, like a hyena, just cackling and just making fun or the relationship that you have with wine, according to this, if it is indeed a mocker, is kind of like a, a pleasure-seeking relationship, a mocker. That reminds me of like an internet troll. Just somebody who just goes in the comments and just says negative things about people. Oh, this is dumb. Oh, look, this is stupid. Like, just casting judgment from a distance. There's no real relationship there. So wine itself is a mocker? Or maybe it's a warning that wine can turn you into a mocker. Maybe that's what it's saying here. And beer is a brawler. Well, what does that mean? What is, it? what is a brawler? What's the difference between a brawler and a fighter? There's like professional fighters who fight, they train, and they, they get ready. You know, Paul even uses this as a positive image, you know, like a boxer. I'm training for, for something spiritual. Uh, but a brawler is just somebody who's looking for a fight. A brawler kind of conveys like an ongoing quarreler, somebody who's just, just looking for someone to pick a fight with so that they can cause trouble. And maybe this is just the translation. I'm, this is the NIV, the New International Translation, which is what I use as a default translation. But other translations of the Bible use different words than mocker and brawler, beer and wine even. Does anybody have their Bible open that's a different translation than the New International Version? Justin, what do you got and what does it say? ESV, wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler. Strong drink is a brawler. Okay, so I didn't even know they had beer back in Bible times. Is that, is that a translation choice? Pretty sure they didn't have West Coast style IPA like we have out here in California. Any other translations that you guys have open that are different, that use different words? Sarah, what do you got? Uh, NLT. NLT, what does it say? Wine produces mockers, alcohol leads to brawls. Let me say that part so everybody can hear. Wine produces mockers. And beer leads to brawls. Oh, sorry, alcohol, not even beer. So just the sweeping generalization. Strong drink, alcohol. Okay. So as we start to look at other translations and go, all right, maybe it's not like wine only, beer only, stick to scotch. Uh, this is kind of like a, a warning about alcohol and our relationship with alcohol. Wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler. Anyone who is led astray by them is not wise. However it's translated, it seems like we're associating wine and beer with some negative qualities. Mocking, brawling. These are things that disrupt harmony in society. And it sounds like it's a warning to not be led astray by them. Maybe that's a key part of this passage in understanding, is the led astray component. It's definitely acknowledging some dangers of alcohol use. But when you think about it, you look at other parts of scripture, alcohol is not always represented in a negative light. I mean, wine was a valuable commodity in ancient Israel. Vineyards and, and wine grape images are used to talk about God's relationship with his people in various parts of the Old Testament and in the Gospels. It's used as a positive metaphor for romantic love in the book of Song of Songs. You can go read that on your own time. Uh, Israel's festivals called God's people to drink and raise a glass during times of celebration. And I mean, hello? 
the Lord's Supper. Jesus, during one of those celebrations, took the Passover cup and said, yes, this is full of meaning. Let me give it some new meaning. Let me help you guys understand this so you can remember the sacrifice that I'm going to make for you. Raise a glass to Jesus. Whenever you do this, remember me. Maybe it's not all bad then. There's even other parts of Proverbs where wine is depicted positively. It's not going to be up on your screen, but listen, Proverbs 3, starting in verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Okay, it's an image that's used for something positive. So think about the led astray and the warning element here. Maybe this similar warning in another part of Proverbs can give us a clue. Proverbs 23. Do not join those who drink too much wine. Or don't join in with those who gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Led astray. Too much wine. Maybe the overconsumption part is the danger that we're warned about here. This last proverb mentions the word drunkard. That's, that's kind of a Bible word. I don't know if we use that term as much today, but I think we can all know what we're talking about when we say the drunkard. That is something that is always negatively depicted in the Bible, throughout Scripture. It's never good to be the drunkard. It's always the example of the person making bad choices, the person who is not wise. So that gets me thinking, is there a difference between being a drunkard and being drunk? How many times do you have to get drunk before you are officially a drunkard? Is there a difference in God's eyes between having a drink or having a couple drinks, having a few drinks? Words that we use are words like, ah, you had a couple drinks, I was feeling a little buzzed. Is there a difference between being buzzed and drunk? I saw a sign on the highway one time that said, buzzed driving is drunk driving. Is it, are you a drunkard if somebody has to take away your car keys? Are you a drunkard if you've been drunk just one time? What about functioning alcoholics? I've known people, including relatives in my life, who drink every single day. They are buzzed all the time, and they go to their jobs, and they pay their taxes, and they pay their mortgages, and they seem to exist quite all right. Let's pause here and ask ourselves, why am I asking these questions in the first place? What is my motivation when I come to scripture and I ask questions like, where are the boundary lines? Am I asking because I want to know what I can get away with? Am I asking because I want to know how to be faithful in following Jesus? Am I asking because I want to use the scripture to condemn someone else? That's a good question. It's important to ask ourselves. Stop and think about what are your motives? Why are you so eager to make this distinction, to make this clarification? We do this sometimes when we want scripture to say something else, when we want scripture to go away, when we want to justify our existing position or a position that we want to have. Moving on. What does it look like to be led astray by beer and wine? I'm sure if I took this microphone and we passed it around, we would hear lots of stories about people that we know and love whose lives in one way or another were led astray by their relationship with alcohol. If you take a look at the most addictive substances in the world, alcohol is number two on the list. If you're wondering what number one is, it's heroin. Heroin and alcohol. 
with all the different things that people are getting addicted to, I was kind of surprised to hear that. That alcohol, a little classic thing that could lead you astray or make you addicted to something, is right up there still. Number two in the world. And if you read through the Proverbs, like hopefully we have been doing, you realize that alcohol is not the only thing that can influence you in your life. It's not the only thing that can lead you astray. So again, this whole message could be about something just as addictive as alcohol. Something that we have a relationship with that maybe is taking up more of our thoughts and our time and our finances than we want to admit. Maybe this, there would be a proverb about uh, online shopping or social media, my relationship with food or with romantic relationships, whatever the case. Again, fill in the blank. My family recently watched the, we rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh man, those movies are exciting. There's so much Jesus imagery in there. I like to pause and be like, hey, this is kind of like, like Jesus. Oh, it's like good versus evil. And it's great. So fresh on my mind is the image of this character in the movie named Smeagol. You might know him as, what's his other name? Gollum. Gollum. Good, yeah. Smeagol is someone who finds this ring and he becomes absolutely obsessed with it obsessed by the definition of the word. All he wants to do is hold it and look at it. And what does he call it? My precious. It's this ring, it's enchanted, it's got a hold on him. So he stops eating and he becomes grossly deformed. His, his back is hunched over. It gives him unusually long life. And that's all he does is just, just gazes at this ring. He even murders someone because he worries that they're trying to steal the ring from him. He becomes obsessed with it. This is the thing that Proverbs is telling us we need to avoid. Do not, be, do not be overrun by something. Don't let it control your life. Wine is a mocker. Beer is a brawler. Anyone who is led astray by them is not wise. The Apostle Paul gives us a similar warning in the book of Ephesians. But he gives a positive alternative. Not just don't do that, but instead do this. Ephesians 5. Therefore do not be foolish... But understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, if you want to get filled up with something, if you want to be on some substance that's going to take control of your life, don't do it with the mocker. Don't let the brawler steer the ship. Be filled with God's spirit because that is going to lead you in ways that will lead to life. And as Proverbs tells us, ways that will lead to wisdom. I was in a hotel one time and it was late at night and I was staying in a hotel with uh, Lisa and Molly and Ellie when they were younger. And I heard this like stomping sound. What in the world is that? So I open the door and I stick my head out and, and I see a, a man who is staggering in the hallway. And that's, that's what the sound was. It's, it's, that's that loud, like coming through. And he had a, a bottle of beer in his hand and he was walking in such a staggered way that the, the beer was foaming up and over and onto his clothes and onto the floor. And he was barely standing up. He like leaped against the wall at some point. And I went, wow, this guy looks like a zombie. Like this is, this is concerning. And then he walked, continued to stagger down the hall 
toward the stairs, and I thought, oh man, he's going to have some trouble with those stairs. This guy's, in, this guy's completely overtaken by whatever alcohol he's been drinking. Maybe I should do something to help. So I did what probably most of you guys would do in that situation. I closed the door, and I locked it, and I went back to sleep. <laughs> True story. Wine is a mocker, and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Is not wise, period. One thing that struck me as I was reflecting on this proverb is how straight it shoots it. It's not like, you know, it's not a good idea to drink too much. You probably should stay away from it. You know, you know be careful, you know, be safe. It's whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Stuck my head out of that hallway and Proverbs said, that guy is not wise. Hmm. I don't talk to people like that a lot. I think I mince words a lot. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's a good thing to do, but it's good to have friends in your life that'll, that'll shoot you straight and be like, oh, this thing you're about to do? Don't do that. That's dumb. That's a mistake. Period. If you do this, you are not wise. And not just in this proverb, but throughout Proverbs. I'm struck by just how definitively this wisdom is given. This is the way of the wise. This is the way of the dumb dumb. You can make your choice, but this is the way. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. So as you can see, I've taken you on this journey, like I said. This is me just reflecting on what this means. What is coming through in this problem? What does it make me think of? How does my own experiences relate to this? I talked about my history with alcohol, exposure to alcohol. I've talked about my thoughts on the meaning of this passage and how it's reflected in other parts of scripture. By the way, that's a really good thing to do when you're interpreting scripture. Go to one scripture and say, that's good. But ask the question, who's talking? Who's hearing this? Why was it said? Where was it said? When was it said? And then, what does it say the same thing in other parts of scripture? Like we said, alcohol not always negatively depicted in scripture. The drunkard always negatively depicted in scripture. That's a good interpretation method that I hope you guys pick up on. But it's an incomplete process if we don't ask the question that Bill called us to reflect on earlier. Not just what does it say, am I understanding it correctly? Not just what does it tell me about God, but that's a really important question too. It's that second question. What is God trying to tell us through this passage? If I by myself hear wine is a mocker, Fear a brawler. Anyone led astray by them is not wise. What does that mean for Jacob? One thing for me to go, I think I understand what it says. I maybe even get up and preach on it. But if it doesn't impact my life, I'm not listening. Kind of like that guy, that experience with the guy stomping down the hallway. We will sometimes go to God's word, we'll open the door, and we'll see it will point us to some problem, something that needs action, something maybe that we need to do to help with ourselves or with someone else. We have a choice. We can either go out and we can intervene, we can address it, we can help, or we can close the door, lock it, go back to bed because it's easier and because it's more comfortable for us. I've been saying this. I feel like I've been kind of saying the same message each week is that God is speaking, but are we listening? What am I going to do about this? And that's really where the rubber meets the road. Am I approaching God's wisdom with an open mind and attitude? Do I start 
with a destination that I already know I'm going to go to. I can bend and shape and interpret and whitewash scripture however I want to make it say all kinds of things. But an attitude that I want us to have is go to scripture and say, Lord, if what I'm going to read is going to require something new of me, something hard of me, something that's going to take more time and attention and maybe even changing my mindset, then I'm willing to do that. Because I, when I said yes to following Jesus, I agreed to become like him. And what Jesus did was he got down on the floor and he took the posture of a servant and he washed people's feet. And nobody wants to do that. And that's an icky job. And it's gross. And it's easier not to. But Jesus said, I'm going to do this. You need to do this as well. That needs to be our attitude. God, I am not my own. I am your servant. I am here to serve. What does that look like? How can I honor you? How can I please you in the way that I live my life? Our starting point should always be saying the same thing that Jesus said on the night that he was arrested. Remember his prayer? Not my will, but yours be done, Father. So, if Proverbs comes into your kitchen, starts rearranging things, moving things around, they're not quite where you left them, you're, you're feeling out of sorts. You're feeling a little violated. Hey, this is the way I like things. Proverbs make some changes. Are we going to uh, listen? Are we going to say, maybe this is a better place for this? Or are we going to be like Jacob and his whisk? No, this goes here because this is where it's always gone. This is the question. Like I said, this particular proverb asks us to submit our relationship with alcohol to the reign of Jesus, whatever that looks like. But other proverbs call us to do the same thing with our relationship with things like food and money and work and our neighbors and whether or not we have power and how we speak about others, how we speak to others. In a moment, praise team is going to come back up here. And they're going, one of the lines we're going to sing in the song is, All my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling. The wisdom of the Proverbs help us actually live that out. This process of reflection that we go through when we hear God's word helps us do that. And talking about God's word with some brothers, maybe over tacos at a taqueria, helps us do that. Helps us take God's word into our lives. And also being willing to let God decide where things in our life should go is a healthy part of that process. Praise team, you guys can make your way back up here, help lead us in this closing song. And while they're doing that, I kind of want to just give you a little preview of where we're going from here. Like I said, this is our last lesson in the, the study through the Proverbs, but hopefully we've given you guys some tools, including the fact that Proverbs has 31 chapters, January had 31 days. You can read a, a chapter a day, like we said today. You can even read uh, a proverb a day. Just stick with one and, and let, it, let it rearrange your life for an entire day. Uh, February is coming. It doesn't have 31 days, but pretty close. If you missed out on January, you can feel free to jump on and say, all right, February 1st, I'm reading Proverbs 1. February 2nd, Proverbs 2, and so on. You can continue on with this. The question that, I, like I said, that I keep coming back to is God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? In February, we're going to turn our attention to another Old Testament book, and that is the, the, the collection of sayings from the prophet Amos. It's a series called Feedback. I'll talk more about this next week. It's really this question of a prophet being sent to go tell God's people some hard things that maybe they don't want to hear. 
question as we hear these, how that went, Israel a lot of times just went, no, la, 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 I don't have to hear this, uh, I'm fine the way things are. What if God says, you're not fine? Maybe there's an adjustment that needs to be made. Maybe I'm calling you to something that is better. And even if you feel like, I'm fine, everything's right where I want it, do we trust God enough to follow him where he leads us? That's the question that we're going to continue to ask.